0: Our reading from Luke's Gospel is from chapter 17, verses 20 to 37, and the heading in the NIV is The Coming of the Kingdom of God. Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is, or There it is, because the kingdom of God is is within you. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you, There he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, He must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulphur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It would be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the roof of of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, "'No one in the field should go back for anything. "'Remember Lot's wife. "'Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, "'and whoever loses his life will preserve it. "'I tell you, on that night two people will be in one bed, "'one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together, "'one will be taken and the other left.' Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather.
1: Forgive me if I've already told you this before, but I remember one time when I was, um, I think I was about 19, and I took a group of young people down to Easter People in Torquay. Now, if you don't know what Easter People is, it's like spring harvest, but cheaper. (laughs) And that's why we went there. And every day in the town centre, we saw the same guy stood there in um, a bright tie-dye t-shirt because he was that cool. And he was there telling people that the kingdom of God is coming and that the end is nigh. He was desperate to warn people about their need to turn to God in order to be saved. We've all seen people who do that, but it got the youth group talking. Why was he doing that? And what was he hoping to achieve? Most of them agreed it was perhaps not the most relevant way to reach out to people, as people didn't really understand what he was saying because of how he was saying it. Plus, they thought that that way of doing things wasn't all that relevant these days, or at least not to them. And I suppose we might look at that kind of thing and think it's a little bit outdated, We think there are better ways of reaching out to people and telling them the good news of Jesus in a way that's actually good news. But there's another side to it too, isn't there? As well as thinking it's a little bit outdated way of doing things culturally, I wonder if we also kind of think it's a little bit outdated in its message too. I wonder if we think that telling people to repent because the kingdom of God is near is no longer a message for these days. It's something people did in biblical times and in the olden days, surely, isn't it? Not something that matters to us now, not something relevant now, is it? And there's our problem. We almost dismiss this message about Jesus returning because it hasn't happened yet. So why would it happen anytime soon? Besides which, there's been loads of times that people have predicted it would happen and it hasn't. So why is now any different? Why is now the time we need to take this message seriously? And the thing is that when we think of it that way, we discount it in our minds because we think it's something different for a different group of people for a different time. And we become a little bit too casual about things, don't we? We ignore the warnings that are there for us in the Bible. Now, a friend of mine just got a new stand mixer. She sent me a photo of a warning that was on the instructions, and it said, Unplug mixer before touching beaters. Failure to do so can result in broken bones, cuts, or bruises. And I guess that's fair enough, but it's a little bit obvious. But I found some examples of other um, warnings that we see on things. So in a packet of peanuts, Allergy Advice contains peanuts, Oh, it's a little bit small, but it says it's one of those sun visors that you put to stop the sun from heating your car up. And it says, Do not drive with the sunshade up. On a bottle of 7UP. Contents under pressure, cap may blow off, causing eye or other serious injury. Point away from face and people, especially while opening. I like this one. Please be safe. Do not stand, sit, climb, or lean on the fences if. If you fall, animals could eat you and that might make them sick. <laughs> which is fair enough. <laughs> On this one, it's a, it's a I think it's a, an eye, a iron-on transfer and it says, do not iron whilst wearing shirt. And in the same manner, this says, wash inside out, remove child before washing. <laughs> Made in China. Oh, good advice. And I love this one, warning, no swimming if you can't swim. It's pretty good. But I think this next one is my absolute favourite. Wandering children will be given a double espresso and a free puppy to take home. Thank you. We hear warnings all the time. We read them wherever we go. They're on everything. And half of the time they're unnecessary like most of those. And I guess that's just part of this overcautious cautious culture that we live in. And maybe that's also part of the reason why we take warnings so casually and we kind of dismiss them, don't we? But Jesus teaches us about the kingdom of God and it's so significant that we shouldn't ever take it casually. Jesus was answering the questions of the Pharisees and they asked when the kingdom of God would come. If you were to ask the man from this morning's passage, the man healed from leprosy, then I reckon he'd say the kingdom of God was already there. But the Pharisee couldn't make sense of the answer that Jesus gave because the Pharisees thought that they knew how the kingdom of God should work. They thought they could look out for signs and then calculate when the Messiah would come again. But Jesus corrected their thinking. He told them that, They had no way of knowing uh, when he would appear. The kingdom of God isn't coming in a way that's visible in advance. But that Jesus would come suddenly when no one was expecting it. No one would have inside information when Jesus would return. No one will know when it's going to happen. And if someone claims that they do, then they're mistaken. But the Pharisees thought that the kingdom of God would come in fullness all at once. But it doesn't. It comes in stages. It's already here and it's yet to come. No one will know in advance when everything will come to an end. But when it does, it will be obvious. And it's those who think they know everything that there is to know about it who are likely to be the ones who will miss it because they'll be looking for the wrong things in the wrong places. But then Jesus said, the kingdom of God is already within you. The kingdom of God was already there. It was evident in Jesus who was with them. It was evident in the healing of the man with leprosy. They just couldn't see it. They'd seen the man being healed, of course, but they chose not to see that this was God's kingdom at work. And that's because it wasn't necessarily what they expected. People make their own assumptions about how things should work, don't they? They make their own assumptions about how God should work, too. People often ask questions about how God can allow bad things to happen or if there is a God, why doesn't he do this, that or the next thing? But maybe we're wrong about how things should work. Maybe when we realise that God is at work in and through us, then maybe we can realise that God's kingdom is at least in part already here. Loads of people have false ideas about how God should work in the world and what he should be doing. And we fail to understand God's ways. And when we do that, our hope is skewed. And it's in those situations we put our hope in the wrong things. We trust money, relationships, whatever. And we trust those things instead of God. And when that happens, we miss what God wants to do. And we miss all the things that he would do if we were ready and open and willing to let him. But let's look at verses 22 to 25. Remind you of what it says. It says, then uh, he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the son of man, but you will not see it. People will tell you there he is or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the son of man in his day will be like lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. People might say, here it is, or there it is. The Pharisees rejected the kingdom of God because they rejected Jesus as Messiah. The disciples, on the other hand, loved him, and they were deeply committed to him. But Jesus warned them of the dangers that they would face because of their love for him and their desire to see him. The disciples' understanding of the kingdom and how it was to be established was distorted too. So Jesus reminded them of his coming death and rejection. Also, he was telling them that he wouldn't be physically present with them after his ascension. And so for a time they would long for his physical presence. This personal physical presence will take place at the time of his second coming. At the time when the kingdom of God is established on earth. And then when he's not physically here... This will mean hard times for the followers of Jesus, who will be rejected and persecuted as he was. And it was in these times of great desire to see God's kingdom come that there would be problems. There would be the danger of them being distracted from their devotion and duty by going off after um, everyone who claims to be the Messiah. Many will claim um, to do signs and wonders, but if people were tempted to follow them, they'd be distracted from their devotion from the true Messiah and what they called him to, them to do in his absence. People would get distracted by looking here, there, and everywhere. But we're told that when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like lightning flashing from one end of the sky to the other. In other words, it would be obvious. And the next bit, verse 26, says... Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage, up until the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and suffering, died down from heaven and destroyed them all. That's a cheery thought, isn't it? <laughs> It will be just as it was in the days of Noah, which begs the question, how was it in the days of Noah? Well, people were eating and drinking and marrying. In other words, they were getting on with their lives. People must have thought that Noah was a bit crazy, building such a big boat. Um, apart from perhaps having a laugh at him, the Noah the boat builder, people were otherwise going on with life as normal. In the days of Noah, it was business as usual. That was until Noah entered the ark and the rain started. All those people were suddenly overtaken by judgment. It was too late to ask for a place on the ark. The doors was closed. The flood was there and they drowned. They were doing what people do and what is normal. It was life as usual. And then there was a flood that destroyed them all. Life as normal, and then judgment came. And likewise, we're told that it was just the same as in the days of Lot. So how was it in the days of Lot? Well, again, it was normal. People were eating and drinking and buying and selling life as usual. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire destroyed them all. With both those examples Jesus gives, life was being lived absolutely normally. And then everything changed without warning. Life was being lived normally, that is, without God and no concern for Him. And we're told that's how it'll be life as usual and then judgment. And it'll take people by surprise. And that's not to say that the things we do day by day are bad, but that it's so easy to become caught up living life that we miss out on what life is really all about. We need to make sure that we don't become so weighed down with life that we miss out on what life is for. If we're not open to the work of God's kingdom in and through us, then we'll miss out on so much. As we move forward in our lives, we should do so willing to take on what God has in store for us. And that means letting go of anything that proves a hindrance to us in our relationship with God. Verses 31 and 32 say, On that day no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down and get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Don't go back for anything. Don't let things tie us down. Don't get preoccupied with stuff that doesn't matter eternally. When Lot had ended up, first of all, living near Sodom, he did so because he'd seen part of the land that, was, that looked good. It had water and food, and so he moved to be there. The men of Sodom, however, were wicked, and Lot didn't take that into account. He wanted well-watered land, so without consideration of how that place would influence him, he went there and he prospered. Lot was eventually living in Sodom, and then he was a leader. And his wife obviously loved the lifestyle she had there because when the time came to leave these things behind, she couldn't. She looked back and that was it for her. Lot was a righteous man. God warned him and rescued him. But they were still taking things a little bit too casually. God warned them not to look back. But his wife did. The desire for those things was so strong that she perished along with all the stuff that she was longing for. She was still more concerned with her life in this world than with impending judgment. Her heart was still in Sodom. And verse 33 says, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. When we believe that Jesus died in our place, then we won't seek to preserve our lives lives, or seek after worldly things. But instead we'll give our lives wholly to him. We'll care more about the lives we have ahead of us with God in control rather than looking back at things that we might have had. Don't look back. Nothing we leave behind is worth facing life without God for. Focus on him because he is our future. And we're told that there'll be two people in bed and one will be taken and one left behind. Two grinding grain, one will be taken and one will left behind. In other words, it says again, people will be getting on with their normal, everyday lives. Then all of a sudden, Jesus will return. The kingdom of God will come in its fullness without warning. And there's a strong warning in these verses. The fact that our husband or wife is a Christian doesn't mean that we will be saved. The fact that your children might follow Jesus doesn't guarantee us a place in the kingdom The fact that your friend or your work colleague loves Jesus does not mean you will be safe. As William Barclay puts it, we cannot discharge our duty to God by proxy, not even by association. The day of the coming of the kingdom, the day Jesus returns, there is to be a separation. Those who put their trust in Christ and who've had their sins forgiven will go to be with Jesus. And those who've not repented or turned to him will face judgment. We need to make sure that we don't let anything to stop us from following him. Don't go back for anything. Don't stop. Keep going. People will be living their lives and without warning, everything changes. And here's the thing. You can miss Christ and his kingdom by taking life far too casually. By being more concerned with earthly things that we lose and our eternal futures. So ask yourself this. Do I miss seeing God's kingdom around me as I live life? Do I ever miss opportunities to be part of God's kingdom because I'm not paying attention to what God is doing? It's really easy to become comfortable with life as it is now and think that that's all it is. But when we do that, we don't focus on God and all that he has in store for us. And another question, would I live life differently knowing that I can be part of God's kingdom today? Being part of God's kingdom isn't something that you have to wait for. It's something we can be part of now. When we live lives focused on the things of this world, on work pressures, on all of the things that take our time and our energy, when we focus on them instead of God, then we're missing out. That doesn't mean that if you're a Christian and you're following him, everything else will be cushy. It won't. But that focusing on God is our priority. The kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, is not just a future reality. The kingdom of God is present now and will be fully revealed in the future. Don't discount the power of God's kingdom here and now. It's got the power to change lives, the power to transform tough situations. But most importantly, being part of the kingdom of God means living in relationship with him. And finally, I want to uh, just urge us not to ignore that warning. And I want to tell you a story of the Titanic, obviously a story you all know. But it's reported that the Titanic disregarded five warnings before it hit the iceberg. Actually, the Titanic received many more than five warnings. The Titanic was the most modern and luxurious ship in its time. The communication system, although primitive compared to these days, was the most sophisticated available. Operators would send and receive messages by powerful radio signals using Morse code and a series of short and long signals known as dots and dashes. But in April 1912, the Titanic was on her maiden voyage between England and New York. The captain officer and his officers were aware of several warnings of icebergs that they'd received from other ships, one message received at 9:40 p.m. of April 14th was not delivered to the captain because the radio operator was busy sending and receiving personal messages for the passengers. At 10:55, a ship just north of the Titanic radioed saying that they were stopped, surrounded by ice. And apparently the radio operator of the Titanic who was still sending these personal messages said keep out Shut up, you're jamming my signal. 45 minutes later, the Titanic hit an iceberg. Uh, Two hours and 40 minutes later than that, the Titanic disappeared beneath the surface of the sea and lost over 1,500 lives. None of the warnings received had been listened to. And what a picture of the human condition that is. We can become... Too busy with our own dreams and plans to listen to the warnings of the word of God. It's as if the radio operator on the Titanic will like the radio operator. were saying to God, keep out, you're jamming my signal. We don't want God or the Bible to mess up our plans or rearrange our priorities. But unless you want to face disaster, we need to listen to what God says to us. We need to make sure that we don't become so weighed down with life, that we miss out on what life is for. Let's make sure that as we go about our lives, we take God and his kingdom seriously and don't dismiss the message about Jesus returning and don't become too casual about it. Instead, let's be open to be part of that kingdom and how God
0: will work in and through us as part of his kingdom. Amen.